watching God move and you're like man I gave a tithe and I didn't know how I was going to pay for it and then someone did this thing and then I gave that to that person and, and, and you're just like this is awesome I wouldn't miss this for the world and don't get me wrong it's a walk of faith which means it's not always happy happy joy joy everything's looking up I spent a lot of times with bills on my knees before the Lord like Lord your word says that if I take care of this you're going to take care of this and I don't know how we're going to take care of this Bearing false witness is a nuanced game. When you consider bearing false witness, you probably imagine telling a blatant lie about a person. But as we'll hear today, silence can be just as devastating. As Pastor Daniel explains, our words, or lack of them, can heap negative consequences on someone. And it's a serious matter. Take time to consider whether or not you have truly been keeping this commandment and how God sees your intent. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, Ten Commandments. Remember when they asked Jesus about paying taxes to Caesar? In Matthew 22, he said, whose image and inscription is on this coin? They said, Caesar, and he said, render to Caesar's the things which are Caesar's, and to God, the things which are God's. And they didn't know what to say. But if you think about what he's saying, he's not only talking about paying taxes. Because whose image and inscription is on you and I? God's, right? Let us make man in our image, it says in Genesis 1.27. So give Caesar what's his, or we like to say give Uncle Sam what is his, but then you need to give God what's his. Same idea. Of course, biblically speaking, tithing is a way that we rob God. If we do not tithe, I'm going to read Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. Will a man rob God? Question mark. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what ways have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, we're in church, right? Someone's bound to say, well, tithing, that's not New Testament. That's Old Testament. People say it all the time. Pastor Daniel, what's your view on tithing? Now, we know that the word to tithe means a tenth. And we know that God's law is the righteous requirements of God, right? And then you get into 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which tells you that God loves a cheerful giver. Now, don't ever for one second think that God's grace will make us cheap. Not for one second. God's grace makes us generous. Why? Because God is generous. I'll be honest with you. I prefer the law. Because I get 90, God gets 10. But when you're a grace giver, 100% of it is on the table, isn't it? Because Jesus gave everything. Now, 
The next thing people say, well, Pastor Daniel, come on, we're four or five years into a bad economy. Do you realize, do you realize that if you make about $48,000 a year, which happens to be the um, $10,000 less than the median income of a family in Clark County, you are in the top 1% wealthiest people in the world? So you know all this Occupy Wall Street? If we had Occupy the globe, people are picketing us. Do you realize that? Even in the midst of a bad economy, we're in the top 1% of people on the globe in income at about two, $3,000, less than $50,000 a year. But when I read Malachi chapter 3, I think to myself, I don't want to rob God. And listen, people say to me all the time, they say, Pastor Daniel, I just, how do we do this tithing thing? I say, it's a faith walk. It's easy to trust God in a lot of things, but it's hard to trust God with our finances because dollars and cents don't lie. Dollars and cents don't lie. And it's not a question of if we can, it's a question of do we want to. And don't get me wrong, I'd rather more channels on my TV. I'd rather another new shirt to go with the hundred other ones that are sitting in there that I barely fit in anymore. But the Bible says that we're robbing God if we're not generous in our giving. The statistics on giving within the Christian church are so horrendous. It's something like less than 2% of people who are committed to Jesus are actually tithers. Less than 2%. Now listen, as a pastor, they almost like train you in guilt. It's like they almost like you get a PhD in how to be, make people feel guilty. I don't want you to feel guilty. But I do want you to experience God's grace in your finances. You know, we don't do sermon series on giving here at Crossroads. But I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater either and not give you a good, biblical, honest exposition of what it means to follow Jesus. And if you are not a biblical giver, a generous giver, then you are missing out on experiencing God's grace in your finances. And people always say, well, I'm too much in debt. I can't do it. Do you ever think that maybe the reason you're in debt is because you're robbing God and he can't bless and take care of it because you're not to be trusted with it? Do you ever think that? See, I got blessed. I got saved. I was so poor and dumb that I just like, oh, says give a tenth. Now, I mean, I used to go play a gig, jazz musician, get 40 bucks. Like, Lord gets his four, Woo-hoo. you know? It wasn't big money. See, this is what I love about God. He's so just. Because unlike the American government where they think people who do better should get taxed more, God just says, everyone, it's the same percentage for everybody. It's the same percentage for everybody. So for everybody, it feels the same. Now we might say, oh, well, someone's got more, could give more. Listen, no, no, no. It's, we're all in it together. We're all in it together. We all feel it the same way. And I just think God's totally cool because if I was God, I'd say, listen, you guys live on 10, I get 90. That's what I'd say. I mean, that's why I'm not God. And you're all like, praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus died on the cross. Pastor Daniel wants 90. You know what I mean? (laughs) But brothers and sisters, listen. If God is for us, then who can be against us? And we want to experience God's grace in every area of our lives, not only in our relationship with him and our relationship with each other, but also in these areas of such stress, right? 
Finances are such a stressor. But if we don't honor God there, we'll never experience his grace there. And I'll be honest, I have had a lifestyle of tithing. And I have seen God provide for me in the most radical ways. Like I could spend the rest of the night just telling you stories. When I got married, I was making $18,000 a year. And we got pregnant in six weeks. And I watched how God worked that all out. I, I don't want to go there. I'll be here all night. But I mean, God is so faithful. He's so faithful. And for so many of us, we have this great opportunity to experience God's love and grace and faithfulness, but we're not even willing to go there. And that's a bummer. And that's why he says, if you do it, I'll pour out blessings you won't even be able to contain. Don't think, and, and don't, don't believe that whole kind of, it's called the prosperity gospel. I don't like to call it that because it's not a gospel at all. It's just good old-fashioned American greed with a Jesus cloak on it. But you know what? They're going to tell you, if you give, God's going to make you even more rich. No, no, no. If you give, God's going to make you rich. It may not be materially at all. You're going to be blessed in watching God work in your midst. And I'll be honest with you, that's better than having lots of zeros in the bank. Because if the stock market goes up and down, moth and rust can destroy that stuff. But when you store up those treasures in heaven and you're watching God move and you're like, man, I gave a tithe and I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. And then someone did this thing and then I gave that to that person. And, and, and you're just like, this is awesome. I wouldn't miss this for the world. And don't get me wrong, it's a walk of faith, which means it's not always happy, happy, joy, joy, everything's looking up. I spent a lot of times with bills on my knees before the Lord, like, Lord, your word says that if I take care of this, you're going to take care of this. And I don't know how we're going to take care of this. And the Lord smiles at you. And he works it out somehow. Something comes up. Something happens. Someone does something. But brothers and sisters, don't steal. Don't steal. Not from people or from God. Be content with what God has given us. Let's give him our lives. Verse 16, look at what it says. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The ninth commandment. It's exactly there in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 20. Now, we can break this ninth commandment, this bearing false witness through slander, tail-bearing, creating false impressions by silence, by questioning somebody's motives behind their actions, or even by flattery. I'm going to read that list again. Because that's a nasty list. We can break the ninth commandment through slander, tail-bearing, creating false impressions by silence, by questioning the motives of somebody's actions, or even by flattery. What this is really teaching us is we have to be careful with our words. We have to be careful with our words. Because words are creative. Where do I get that from? I get that from Genesis chapter 1. God spoke and all these things happened. Did you ever have that experience? Let me, let me, we've all had this experience. You haven't met somebody, but you've heard all about them, right? And maybe you heard some really nasty stuff. And then you meet them and you automatically think ill of them, right? You don't know them at all. You don't even know if what you heard is true, but you already don't like them. You're on guard against them. Ah, that's why bearing false witness is a problem. 
because you start to color somebody before. Now, don't get me wrong. You notice that it's false witness. It's false witness. But how often is someone who has a certain view of something slandered somebody to you, or maybe you've done it to somebody else, and deep down, if you really think about it, what's being told isn't actually the truth at all. Now, notice it says, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Who did Jesus say your neighbor was? Everyone. Your neighbor is everyone. So this isn't like ethnic-specific or gender-specific or they're my friends-specific. This means don't bear false witness against anybody, anywhere, at any time, for any reason. This idea of bearing false witness, it's a lie invented and spread with an intent to do harm. Now, we have to realize our media runs on false witness. The more sensational the claim, the more units they sell. Tailbearing, it's repeating a report about somebody without careful investigation. Inappropriate silence. It's when somebody utters something to be false and you know it's true, but you just let it roll. The New Testament states this pretty simply in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. I like that. Don't lie. Don't bear false witness. Why? Because we've put off that old man. That's the old rebellious nature. And so we got to be careful with our words. You know, the old in the Bible, be quick to listen and slow to speak. In common language, it's we have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. It's just wisdom. And for those of you like me who like to talk, some of you are blessed with you're, you're a little bit more quiet. So the things, you don't have as much that falls out of your mouth on a given day. For some of us, you know, I got a little diarrhea of the mouth at times. So just be careful. Be careful. Don't bear false witness. We know that they bore false witness against Jesus at his trial in Matthew chapter 26. They bore false witness against Stephen, and Stephen was ultimately martyred in Acts chapter 6. When you, talk, when, it's, when you read, do not bear false witness, it automatically, as a Christian, should make you think of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So instead of bearing false witness against somebody, we should be bearing witness to the reality of the true and living God. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how often, and maybe it doesn't happen often enough, and probably for me, that I want to say something, but I say, you know what, I don't want to do that because I really just want to bear false witness to Jesus. You know, I'll use myself as an example because, you know, you guys know that right now there was a, that young guy who took guns and he went into that school in Connecticut, you know, and right away they're like, you know, one guy who's not normal, totally off the charts, everyone's like, we need gun control laws. Right? And then, at the same time, you have this trial of this abortion doctor who's killing live-born children, and the media doesn't want to talk about it, right? Where, where are the people saying, and if you say, oh, man, we need to have better abortion laws, you know, they say, oh, no, that guy, that guy he's, he's like a one-of-a-kind. 
And it's duplicitous, right? And, and I'll be honest with you, I want to take to Facebook and, and, you know, start a rally. Just like, come on, let's be, let's let, have even scales here. You know what I mean? If you say that, oh, this thing is so bad, you know, you have an abortion doctor, but nobody wants to have abortion law reform. I want to do that. But you know why I don't do it? I'll just be honest with you. Because right as you go into politics on the internet, what happens? It's a mess. I watch my brothers and sisters get all angry at each other. I watch Christians blow their cork. And I wonder how many of us in the name of politics have blown our witness. Where you can't speak about Jesus because you're too busy spouting off about something else. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you don't have political views. But God wants us to bear witness to him. And the reality is, is people don't value life or value moral purity because they don't know him. They don't know the holy God. And get, let's be honest, we didn't believe those things either until we met the holy God. And he changes the way we think and why we think. And all of a sudden, our whole values change. Before I came to know Christ, I had the most crazy beliefs in the world. And now, because of the reality of Jesus, I say, look, God loves life. He loves life. And yeah, I'm a man, but God loves life. And God loves sexual purity because he's a pure God. You know, and God loves the fact that we can protect ourselves. And no, I don't want people going shooting kids in schools. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that no one should be allowed to protect themselves. So when you think about it, brothers and sisters, God wants our mouths to be used for blessing and for witness, not for tearing down, not for cursing, not just because we're aggravated, even though sometimes we get totally aggravated. And I believe God wants to help us to stop saying things that are just going to poison the opportunity to share the good news that Jesus Christ is real, that he's alive, that he loves humanity and he came and died for humanity. And we need to keep a vigilant guard over our mouths. And believe me, I'm not preaching down on anybody because I, every single day I'm like, Lord, keep me from saying stupid things. And you're thinking to yourself, Pastor Daniel, I'm going to join you in praying that prayer. Because I hear you every week. I know what's going on. Romans chapter 13, verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the next time you are tempted to bear false witness against somebody, think to yourself, how would I feel if somebody did that to me? And say, I wouldn't like it at all. I've experienced it. And you know what? Because I've experienced it, I would never want someone to go through what has hurt me and wounded me so deeply. So I'm just going to let it go. All these commandments... Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the 10th commandment, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 21, it's almost exactly the same, although 
there's some changes in the word order and a little amplification. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor. Now, if you learn the Ten Commandments as a kid, most often you heard you shall not covet your neighbor's wife because Deuteronomy puts that first. But really, this is a universal command not to covet, which means to desire earnestly, to long after. And what's interesting about this commandment is it doesn't deal with your actions. It actually deals with your heart, what's going on inside. So it forbids all inordinate desire that has to do with something that someone else has. Now, 1 Timothy 6.8, godliness with contentment is great gain. So this is about guarding our hearts in regards to the things that we see. Guarding our hearts with the things that we see. Now, every single advertisement that you see is always aimed to provoke your heart to want. And God does not want us to not want. He wants us to not want things that we don't really need. God wants us to want the only thing that really satisfies, which is what? Him. That's what he wants us to want. And we have to be careful because we live in, a, in, a, in an economic environment where covetous is the way they get you to buy all these things that you don't really need. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't have things. It doesn't mean we can't save for things. But it is a heart condition. Can we be okay with where we are, with what we have? That word covet, it can mean to pant after. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, the way Satan tempted Eve. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, then she took the fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, she took the bait. Each one of us, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, we take the bait. We take the bait. It's been said that Francis of Assisi, that 13th century Italian monk, said something to the effect of, I have heard the confessions of thousands of men, but never once heard a man confess the sin of covetousness. When was the last time you repented and said, God, I am covetous. I pant after what others have, what I feel like I lack. I've almost never done it. I don't know too many people who are like, yeah, yeah, I do it all the time. Because it's such a part of who we are. Who we are. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, it says, nor a covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Jesus is real. Getting a false impression doesn't seem like a huge deal, especially when you benefit from it. But if someone else suffers, that's bearing false witness. Even silence can be detrimental. So as Pastor Daniel reminded us today, be careful with what you say and don't say. Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. 
Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel tackles the commandment about not being covetous. There's much more to this one than we realize, and each one of us will be challenged by it. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through his series entitled Sinai. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.